Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. I'm always on the lookout for interesting businesses, and I uh, came across a young lady who's got, I think, just a fascinating one. Her name is Alona Koziol. She is a Toronto-based real estate developer, and she's the co-founder of uh, Ready Developments. Ready, R-E-D-I, specializes in single-family home conversions into eight boutique apartment buildings in the city of Toronto. She's also a co-host of a monthly virtual real estate investing education and networking meetup called Level Up. Uh, Ilona, how are you? Welcome to our show. I'm very well, Brian. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. So tell me, how did you get involved in taking houses and converting them into boutique apartments? Yeah, it actually started uh, about a year ago when uh, COVID hit. And as you are obviously aware of, um, a lot of people at that time were losing their jobs, me included. So my background actually, I was in corporate sales prior to, uh, prior to COVID. And right before I got laid off, actually a couple of weeks before COVID hit, I joined an investor um, network and three weeks later I got laid off. So as a single mom of two boys, I knew that something needed to be done. So I went on and started networking with this investment group of people. And I've always had a passion for real estate. Um, prior to joining this network, I was investing in some pre-construction homes um, and doing some private lending, but I did want to get more on the active side of development. So I started my search. I was now unemployed. Um, as you know, I'm sure many of your listeners were uh, in the beginning of COVID. And I started to explore the options of investing in real estate and how I can get more on the active side of real estate. Um, so I did some exploration, um, through my networking and, you know, there's a, a hundred ways or more to invest in real estate. And I just was always passionate about development. So I narrowed down my search by realizing what my strengths were and what I could bring to the table. Um, and I started looking for a partnership. So I ended up finding a partner through this real estate network that has, you know, an extensive background in construction, um, and building and I started to realize where my skills would lend themselves in that partnership and that um, business and we just kind of found this niche um, in Toronto uh, of, of finding these single-family homes and turning them into eight-unit apartment buildings. How, how is a home big enough to have eight different uh, boutique apartments in it? Well we're we're really in the west end of Toronto um, High Park area. So these homes are, these older homes are already bigger, like 3,000 square feet and up. And what we do is we add um, usually a substantial uh, addition in the back, uh, including underpinning. So we basically, if you think about it, it's two 
units per floor. So in the basement, we'll have two, two units, the first floor, second floor, and third floor. And if the home doesn't have a third floor, then we'll go ahead and build uh, on top of that second story to, to allow for those extra units on the top. Amazing. And so you're a general contractor, a renovator, uh, as well as a real estate investor. Yeah, we do have a team. Um, I can't say that I'm a general contractor. <laughs> uh, we do have a, a general contractor on our team. Um, and, you know, he handles the trades and, and uh, makes sure everything is going according to schedule and according to budget. So, yeah, but we do manage the projects and, um, you know, find find the projects and, and see them through. All the and way. do you condoize these or do you rent them out? Uh, we rent them out. So it's a buy and hold strategy. Yeah. So you're a landlord as well. Yes, sir. Fantastic. Well, it's amazing that you sort of created this business and, uh, and it was COVID-19 and getting laid off that created the opportunity to, uh, or the threat or the need to uh, get this business underway. Definitely. Yeah. It was a, it was a huge push in, in that direction. And I think, you know, as scary as it is getting laid off and it's such a life-changing event for most people. Um, I think once you see the opportunities, uh, which they're everywhere um, and, and you're able to grab a hold of the opportunity, then um, the possibilities are endless. We're chatting tonight with uh, um, Alona Koziol, who has just recently launched a business where she's buying single family homes and converting them into six and eight uh, boutique apartments. It's a fascinating opportunity. And like a lot of people I've uh, spoken with, it was really uh, the pandemic and getting laid off, something negative that was the the uh, catalyst for her creating this new business opportunity. Fascinating. We're going to take a break for some messages and come back more with Alona in just a minute. Stay with us. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. We're chatting uh, tonight with Alona Koziol, who is uh, a fascinating entrepreneur because uh, what she did is uh, she got laid off and uh, and uh, and lost her job and uh, the pandemic hit and she decided to launch a business and she'd always been interested in the real estate development business. And so what she did with a partner is she launched a real estate development company called Ready Developments, which specializes in taking single family homes and converting them into uh, um, six to eight boutique apartment buildings in the city of Toronto. Fascinating. Alona, tell us, um, you know, walk us through, you know, how do you do this? So you buy a single family home in the older part of uh, Toronto, it takes, that's, that's big, that, that could be developed into separate, separate apartments. Tell us about it. Yeah, that's right, uh, Brian. So what we do is we try to find homes that have already a, a pretty large footprint. Uh, typically over 3,000 feet is kind of that sweet spot for us. Um, and it has to be in the correct zoning. So we're looking for an R zoning, which means it's residential. However, you're actually able to build an apartment building on that lot if you so choose to. Um, because Toronto is, you know, um, needing that density, they kind of went ahead and rezoned a, a couple of um, key spots in the, in the city. And so we only go after those spots and we work with a team of, of um, brokers and, and realtors and they already kind of know what we are looking for. So they are able to bring us these larger lots with these larger homes um, in order for us to be able to 
pretty much execute on on these large builds of eight units. So and then each uh, each each apartment is what a single you know a, a, a one bedroom apartment or a studio or what? Yeah, it really depends on how how many bedrooms we can fit. We we typically like to do two bedrooms at least because there's more of a need for that in Toronto, as you probably can imagine. There's a lot of bachelor and um, one bedroom units existing, so really are, we're gearing this to somebody that maybe has kids or maybe um, you know wants to work from home and and use that second bedroom kind of as an office. And and are um, you getting the whole inside of the house? That's correct. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. So you're not keeping the living room or the dining room or anything. You're completely gutting the inside. Yeah, because we're changing the entire floor plans. We're, we're we're getting rid of all the systems. We're getting rid of the plumbing, the electrical. We're redoing basically all we're doing is keeping the shell of the existing structure uh, and everything from you know floor assemblies to framing to you name it is it's brand new on the inside of the home. And is there a common front door or does everyone have their own front door? Everybody has to have their own exit. So there's a common door for the entrance. Um, And so uh, the one that I'll show you that we're working on now, which is Oakmount, it will have um, a common entrance and then everybody will have sort of a a hallway into their own unit as they would in in an apartment building. Um, And then in the back of the house, it'll actually have exits off decks as well. Exits off decks. That's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So by law, you have to have two uh, means of egress for each unit. So in the, what we try to do is split the um, the home kind of left to right and then have units going all the way down the house so that's, that they can benefit from the front of the house and the back of the house. Right. And because they need those exits, stairs, um, in case of an emergency or a fire, you know, we would, we like to put a deck in the back as extra living space, which, you know, then doubles as that emergency exit for them as well. Well, it sounds fascinating. How many of you, uh, of these uh, renovations have you done? We're on the third project, uh, and we're just closing on that next week, actually. And one of them is our Oakmount project. I'll be, I'll be sharing a a photo of, um, right now. And, uh, you know, this, this particular um, project was our first, so it's kind of my baby. Yep. <laughs> and it's also quite beautiful, um, you know, so we're really trying to preserve as much as of the facade as possible because these homes are in, you know, nice neighborhoods and um, they're very appealing to families and to young professionals that maybe don't want to live in a high-rise building and have kind of that, you know, walkability of, of these nice neighborhoods and streets and such. So. We will, as you can see, we will have, um, keep, we'll, we'll try to keep as much of this front as possible. And, and it looks like just a big, um, you know, a big single family home on the outside. So that's not going to change. Right. Uh, however, on the interior, like I said, all of, all of the interior is going to be ripped out and, um, and we'll have new floor plans and new units uh, inside. Fascinating. So you completely rip out the, uh, the inside and uh, build new and, uh, and expand out the back, it appears too. Correct. So in this particular project, we actually tore down the complete uh, a backside of the home in order to facilitate that additional 
uh, almost 2,000 square foot addition in, in addition to the walkouts from the basement. So we actually go and underpin the basement, which means you're just digging out uh, um, and digging out the basement and, and pouring more foundation on the existing foundation underneath of it so that you can get extra ceiling height in the basement. So we do like nine, like eight to nine foot uh, ceilings in the basement as well. And throughout the house, we try to keep those uh, ceiling heights pretty high. So it's, it's quite a mess <laughs> uh, while we're doing construction. And, you know, the whole house is empty and, and really it's just a big construction site. Now so you, you, you uh, presumably have to go for uh, building permit uh, approvals, uh, uh, but because you get in the R zoning, you don't need any uh, zoning approvals? It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The zoning's already there, so we don't actually have to go for a zoning amendment. Uh, it's zoned for multi-units. Right. What we do have to go for is minor variances with the city. So we do have to go in front of the committee of adjustments. In and how have they uh, been uh, receiving you? And what about neighbors? What do they think of you? Um, the committee is has been, you know, Toronto is in need of, of rental housing. So for the most part, we've had a, um, a good time with, with the city to date. Uh, they've been pretty on board with what we're doing. However, you know, there's always nuances and things you have to stay within the guidelines of and, and uh, that sort of thing. And as far as neighbors, it really depends on where you are. We haven't had any complaints from neighbors. Um, our general contractor does an amazing job as, you know, keeping the job site clean and being friendly and respecting work hours and that sort of thing. So I think there's a mutual understanding with us and the neighbors, uh, you know, with what we're trying to do for the city, number one, and they know that we're going to deliver a beautiful product at the end. Will of the each day. one of these units uh, look uh, look similar inside, similar layout, and similar sort of combination of bedrooms and uh, and and regular rooms? Yeah, so we try to keep the floor plans uniform per project, just so that we can line up. It's a little bit easier to line up plumbing and all that stuff. So um, most of them will have two bedrooms and the kitchen's in the same spot. Uh, we try to keep all of the all of the layouts similar to each other, um, just for building and kitchen sizes and ordering materials and all of that sort of stuff. It just becomes a little bit easier for us to, to be able to do those things. And so this would be a, uh, a six bedroom, six unit uh, condo conversion. Eight, yeah, eight units. Eight. So you've added a, a third floor as well. 
Correct. So a lot of these older homes have kind of a loft on the third floor. And what we do is we just extend it back. So once the extension is put in, we just extend the entire floor plans to the back of the home. So they're all exactly the same uh, layout. Fascinating. And uh, you say you've done uh, how many of them? Three. So four. three. Well, there are, two of them are in construction and one we're closing on next week. So you haven't actually finished one yet? Nope. I look forward to it. And, and uh, when do you rent up? Once done or do you rent in process? Yeah, so we'll finish up the entire building. And after we are finished the building, then we'll go ahead and start leasing up all the units once they're brand new and fresh and beautiful. I look forward to seeing it sometime when it's uh, completed. Yeah, I'll have to come back on and show it to you. That sounds exciting. What are you quite uh, the business opportunity that you've created for yourself? Uh, um, and and you said uh, that uh, it's interesting that you can create new opportunities for yourself. Yeah, I think that once you realize that you are the creator of your own destiny, um, you know, the possibilities are endless. Uh, you're, I'm a firm believer in the fact that your thoughts become your reality and you're, you're really in control of, of your life and, and what that looks like. So that's what I've been doing. And I've been studying my mind for three years. Um, and that's really what's, what helped me and built that foundation for, for me to be able to have the faith, uh, you know, in myself and in, in the universe or, you know, God and people call it all different things. But at the end of the day, we are the creators of our own reality and uh, there, there's no limits to what, what we, we are do. the creators of our own reality. Mm -hmm. How did you come across such a positive uh, outlook on life? Uh, I, you know, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, I had some challenging times, uh, um, a couple of years ago and, uh, I, I really started to study what these people are doing that are, are finding such fulfillment and success in their lives, not just financially, but I just really wanted to be happy. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It's, it's never really about money. It's never about what we have in material things. It's about how we feel and, and growth and, you know, life is a journey. And, and I really just started to read and find mentors through, you know, e even YouTube and, and meditation and, and reading and all those sorts of materials. And I've just been, soaking it up like a sponge and it's been it's proven to be the truth and those what were the, the challenging times can you share that with us at all yeah i went through a difficult separation three years ago and three years ago i was not even working i i was a stay-at-home mom for seven years and at the time i didn't feel like i had any worth to even get a part-time job so i knew i needed to change that in my mind because if I didn't see value in myself, I knew nobody would, but I wasn't used to feeling valued. Uh, so that perception of myself was, was not serving me. So I'd have to, I had to change that. Do you think that you're a different person today than you were three or four years ago? Really? That's fascinating. And it's come from this changed attitude and uh, you're learning about, uh, I guess it's, you know, some people call this manifesting, but this uh, sort of that your, that your thoughts become your reality. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's an awareness, I think that comes. So am I a different person? I mean, I'm still Alona, it's still me. Um, I have a new awareness, I think. And I've seen the changes that are possible um, 
given the type of discipline that you have to work on your mindset. It's like working out your body. And I feel that, you know, people are stuck in their paradigm of their beliefs and their uh, upbringing and things that they think are, are achievable for them. And it's quite unfortunate to see sometimes, but I think sometimes it takes a pivotal moment in your life, like a separation or being laid off in order for you to pivot and, and change that perspective. And, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of reading a new book or, or hearing something on, on the internet and, and that can really change the direction of your life. So if someone else uh, was going through a difficult separation or a loss of a job or some other difficult uh, life experience and, and they wanted to change their paradigm, given, given your experience, what would you recommend to them? Um, yeah, I think that I would recommend just quieting the mind, I think is very important. Meditation, um, but also just searching out for those books and materials and things that that are positive because I think that when you fill your you know your mind with positive thoughts it's very it's very hard to feel grateful and angry at the same time so we can actually choose our own thoughts and it takes 17 seconds to change the direction of your thought so if you can be mindful of what you're thinking about you know are you thinking about man my life is hard or this is super stressful or how am I going to pay the bills or you know, I'm in all this debt, though you're perpetuating those things in your life. Um, so you, everybody has something to be grateful for. And I try to start my day with a, a gratitude practice and it's been really life-changing for me. What's a gratitude practice? Um, so just writing down 10 things that I'm grateful for every day and, and just feeling them and reading them and, and meditating and just quieting my mind and just connecting um, you know, I call it source or universe or, or some people pray to God. Um, just quieting your mind before you start the day gives you kind of a, a fresh approach. And, and you said that uh, three or four years ago, you didn't uh, have a sense that you had any worth. Correct. Yeah. So it's, really? it's, it's fascinating how the people around you set the tone, um, you know, for your, for your life and your attitude as well. So it's, I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm surrounded by wonderful, wonderful people. And I know that th that was through attracting them into my life. And, you know, they see the value and they see the value in me and, and they see sometimes more value than I see in myself. So changing, uh, you know, your network and the people that are around you to supportive ones is, has been, is, you know, pivotal, pivotal as well. Sounds like you've gone through a real metamorphosis, a real transformation. What do your parents or your friends or, or even your ex-husband think about uh, you now versus uh, a couple of years ago? I think that people have been so gracious and they see the, the, the change and growth. Um, you know, people say you're so driven or, you know, how did you do this? And um, I think they also see that I'm in a different part of my life today than I was. And I think that it all, uh, there's a place and a time for everything. I was being a mom. I was at home for seven years and they knew me as that person. And now they see me as somebody else. Um, but my values never changed. So, you know, I still have a lot of the same friends that I did when I was a stay at home mom and, and felt all those ways, but they see the growth and they see, um, you know, the quote unquote success, I guess. And I think it's inspiring to them. And that's, 
really what I love to do is inspire other people through my story because if I can do it and you know I didn't have a job for seven years and I felt like I could never get one to doing living my passion today um, I think anybody could do it it's a wonderful story it's an inspiring story uh, and thank you for sharing it with us uh, and uh, I do think that you're a great example for people that uh go through challenging times. And whether it's the three year ago separation or the year ago uh, pandemic and losing the job, it seems to me like you are living your passion. And so thank you for sharing that story and that journey with us. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks for having me today. Well, that's been a fascinating conversation with Alona Koziel, who has really created a brand new kind of business, uh, taking old homes and converting them into uh, eight unit uh, apartment buildings uh, in uh, the old city of Toronto. And, uh, and at the same time is uh, manifesting her destiny, is finding her passion, is, uh, is living a life of gratitude, etc. It sounds fascinating. So we'll have to check back with her uh, in a couple of months to see how opening up uh, this new condominium uh, works out. Thank you for joining us. No radio, no problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. A real pleasure for me to introduce you tonight to David Black. David is the head of membership and director of government relations at the Canadian Franchise Association. And I wanted to reach out to him to talk about uh, both the franchise business as a business model, but also about how the pandemic has impacted uh, the franchise business across uh, Canada. David, how are you? Welcome to our show. Thanks, Brian. It's great to be here. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So how did, uh, how did uh, the pandemic impact the franchise business? What do you think? Well, like all businesses, the pandemic has not been kind to small business, and now the shutdown is making it even worse. The one thing I always like to remind people is franchise businesses are local businesses. Um, you know, so some of the things that people have started, the Shop Local, the Takeout Tuesdays, and other popular campaigns have really helped support local businesses. Unfortunately, Franchise businesses are, there's a mistaken perception that franchise businesses are not local businesses. While the brands are recognized across the country and across the world, the local stores are in fact owned by franchisees who live and work in their communities. Uh, the CFA recently did a poll and found that 72% of Canadians would prefer to shop at locally owned businesses to compare, compared to big box stores. And that's because of the mistaken perception that franchises are not local businesses. You know, you go to a kid's soccer game, you see a logo on the back of a t-shirt of a jersey. What people don't realize that was paid for by the local franchisee. And so when you shop local, don't forget about those franchise businesses uh, because they're your neighbors. They're your pa parents at school um, and people you see on the street every day. It's probably one of the most ubiquitous forms of business that we don't realize. 
How does a franchise business differ from a traditional local business? So franchise business is a little different in the sense of there's a, a different relationship between the franchisor and the franchisee. So the franchise, franchising is a contractual relationship between effectively a franchisor and the licensee or franchisee. Um, the franchisor provides the systems and tools and ongoing support to help their franchisees to, so they have what they need to succeed. And the franchisees manage the day-to-day -day operations of their local store and they work with the franchisor to make that local store a success. The big part about franchising, it's about being in business for yourself, but not by yourself. You're part of a team. Um, when I speak to elected officials, I always use the comparison to a political party where you've got the central party provides a lot of the election financing, elections database financing, um, branding, and then there's the local candidate in their ridings trying to get elected. And together you can both succeed, but if you have a strong franchisor and a weak franchisee, it doesn't always work and vice versa. So you're part of a team and that's how you work to succeed. How big is franchising in Canada? Is it big? Is it growing? Franchising is, it's the 12th largest sector of the Canadian economy. Um, in Canada, there's about 80,000 franchise, and these are pre-pandemic numbers. So there are about 80,000 franchise businesses that employ 1.9 million Canadians and contribute about $100 billion to Canada's GDP. Here in Ontario, we're the biggest market. Uh, there's about 40,000 franchise businesses, and they employ about 775,000 people and contribute $50 billion to Ontario's GDP. And when I say they're in 50 different sectors, the ones everybody will be familiar with is the coffee shops or the quick service restaurants. So the Second Cups, the Tim Hortons, the McDonald's, there's the Keg Montana's, but there are other sectors that people don't think about. So cleaning companies, uh, learning centers, such as an Oxford Learning Center, scholars, moving companies, uh, Two Men and a Truck's a great example of that. Even disaster restoration, so Paul Davis, uh, there's home inspections, there's automotive uh, repair, uh, senior care um, with comfort keepers and home instead. And the, new, the newest sector we're in is even in cannabis uh, with Spirit Leaf and a number of cannabis companies that are taking up the franchise business model. And it's a model of doing business that helps those businesses grow um, as part of a team. Tell us about the Canadian Franchise Association. What do you do? So the Canadian Franchise Association is the national association that represents all the franchise businesses across Canada. So we work with, we have a couple of main pillars. Um, one is we're always developing the community. Um, another key pillar we have is advocacy. So I work with governments across the country to develop policies, programs that will help franchise businesses um, succeed. So we've been working with them through the pandemic. Another big part of it is education. We have a huge educational component where we host seminars, webinars, uh, live of when we could live events to educate potential franchisees, existing franchisees, franchisors, and even suppliers. Um, and that's like lawyers accounts who work with franchise businesses because it is a unique model. Um, and then the third one is lead generation and trying to connect those potential franchisees with a franchisor and building those, helping build those relationships and create those connections so that people can, can effectively find each other 
and learn what they need to learn so that they can succeed and grow the economy and grow their local communities. If someone uh, is listening and wants to own a franchise, uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? How do you how do you go about doing it? How much does it cost? Where do you uh, where do you uh, apply? What's the process? So I'll start. I'll go through a bit of a franchising. I'll call it franchising 101 because there's a whole bunch of different things to keep in mind as somebody who is interested in becoming a franchisee kind of has to think about. So as I mentioned earlier, it is a contractual relationship. There's a there's an agreement between the franchisor and the franchisee. They'll provide the franchisor will provide you with the tools and the support, um, and the franchisee runs the local store. Now, some of the benefits of franchising is for the franchisee, you've got a proven system. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Um, you've got brand recognition on day one. There's training that's provided by the franchisor to help you. Uh, there's ongoing support from the franchisor and from other franchisees because you're in it together. And then the franchisors also, the franchisee can also do research and development. Now for the franchisor, it helps them expand a little faster uh, with less capital because the franchisee is bringing some of that to the table. Um, and the local owner operators have a vested interest in the location's success. And just to go back to the benefits on day one is, you know, Dave and Brian's coffee shop might get a couple of customers on day one, but- Oh, come on. Our coffee shop would be a huge success, Dave. It will be a huge success, but- Unfortunately, that second cup logo, people will be like, I know second cup. I know what I'm going in and I'll go in or I'll go to Tim Hortons or. And so there's all of those things that come into play. Um, now, there are some pit possible pitfalls. Like I'm not going to paint a, a nice brusher on it. It's like there are things that people need to pay attention to. You got to pay those big franchise fees. Well, franchising is not for everybody um, in the sense of you're built. You're not just buying into a brand, but you're buying into a system. And so you want to, somebody needs to be able to follow the system. Uh, if you're an independent, like if you're a chef and you want to be creative and change the menu every week, you're not going to be good for a franchise system because a lot of that is they build the menus out and, and all of the things that go into making that meal. And so it, some of that creativity is just not, it just doesn't work in the franchise system. And the other one is not understanding the roles and responsibilities between the franchisees and the franchisors. Um, some people come in, think it's an easy way to make money. I'm just going to put my check down, start the store and be making money right away. You know, you have to work hard. Everybody, there is no free lunch. You do have to work hard. Um, and when somebody's thinking of buying it, they need to actually do a self-assessment, determine what you're good at, what you're passionate about. Um, and also be, do an honest financial assessment. How much can you afford to invest? How much can it be financed? How will you cover your costs both for the business, but even your personal costs, like you know, mortgage, family, kids, um, as you're getting that business off the ground? And research all the opportunities that are out there. Um, you know, some people just fixate on one, but find the stuff that you would be passionate about and then start talking to people on that. What are the big success stories in franchising? Uh, there are a ton of success stories. You know, I'll give a couple of them. So, you know, some of the largest brands buy units in Canada. So it's Tim Hortons, Canadian Tire, Pizza Pizza, Royal LePage, Century 21, uh, Booster Juice. Some of the fascinating stories are, you know, Booster Juice. Uh, basically, the founder started testing smoothie creations in his kitchen in Alberta. Uh, they've now got more than 300 locations in five countries. 
Um, another one is Second Cup, which was founded by a former panhandler who turned his life around and created that Second Cup coffee chain that we see. You know, we have other ones like Little Kickers, which is a kid's soccer uh, franchise. Little and Kickers. Those, That's fun. Little Kickers. Yep. Um, and then, you know, Tan on the Run, Lice Squad, The Lunch Lady, all who've been founded by moms uh, who are helping other women get into business for themselves. So there's a ton of different success stories out there. And a lot of people are, you know, those are just some of the, some of the big ones that are easily recognizable. Uh, another one is like Boston Pizza, you know, Dream Tree Living, who we see on Dragon's Den is a franchisor. And a lot of his franchisees have done quite well over the years. Gosh, given the, the list of names that you've, uh, that you've uh, gone through, there's a lot of different franchise companies in Canada. Yeah, as I said, their franchise businesses are in 50 sectors. And it's one of those things you will walk down the street. So walk down any street in Mississauga, you're going to pass a couple of strip malls, you're going to pass some malls, independent. I guarantee you, you will be walking past at least five to 10 franchise businesses, and you won't even realize it. What are the Um, trends in uh, franchising? So the trends are, it's... It's an industry that is, it's always changing. Um, just trying to, there are so many different sectors. So some of them like uh, Metal Supermarkets is doing really well. Uh, they do basically provide metal to welding companies um, to manufacture things. Hold so it, Metal Supermarkets? Metal Supermarkets. Another one that's, uh, that's doing quite well, the UPS store. So when you see the UPS store to get printing, copying, so they're another one that's doing quite well. Like and that's a franchise. That's a franchise. That's well. a corporately owned. That's interesting. Yeah. So this this is the thing with franchising is there's a lot a misconception that because the brand is well known that it's just a corporate store and it's like there's local franchisees uh, across the country who are like I say living and working in their communities um, to build the brand, but also. You know, they want to be active parts of their community. Um, they're passionate about their brands. They're passionate about the work that they do. Um, and they are helping grow their local economy and the provincial and national economies. We're chatting tonight with uh, David Black, who is uh, head of government relations and membership for the Canadian Franchise Association. We're going to take a break for some messages and come back with some concluding comments from David um, about how the pandemic has uh, impacted uh, franchising. But I'd also like to chat with him a little bit about digitization and online and how that's impacted franchising. Stay with us. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back to the Brian Crombie Radio, our Saga 960. We're chatting tonight with David Black, who is a head of government relations and membership for the Canadian Franchise Association. And I wanted to reach out to him because, you know, I, I guess a couple of things, David. Uh, I was interested in how the franchise business has been impacted by the pandemic. Uh, and, uh, and we've talked a little bit about that. We should talk a little bit more. Um, because uh, I've had uh, interviews with several different people from small and medium-sized businesses, and, and you've got to have um, information about how it's impacted the franchise business uh, uh, writ large. But also, you know, I think that lots of people have said that we've had in the last uh, sort of uh, year of the pandemic, um, 
10 years worth of digitization of uh, the increase of uh, online purchasing and distribution and stuff like that. And so I'm interested in how, you know, this has, uh, has impacted the franchise business. Cause when I think about franchising, a lot of it's bricks and mortar stores or restaurants, or you, you talked about UPS things. And as we buy a lot more from Amazon or, or Indigo or the big, uh, the big uh, online retailers, how's that can impact the local guy that's got, uh, got uh, a franchise. So let's start out with the pandemic. How's the pandemic impacted franchising? Well, the pandemic, like it's hit everybody. It's hit everybody. Um, you know, most of my businesses, we've, we've joked that today is, I think, March 400th of 2020, because we've all lived a lot in the last year. Um, it has forced a lot of businesses to change and even our association to change. Um, the one thing I would say is like, all of our franchisors, franchisees, they want to protect everybody. They want everybody to, we want to get over the pandemic. They want to be able to reopen safely. Um, and the faster we can get things under control, the faster we can get back to, to normal, um, to the way life was in February of 2019. Um, so, that's where we're, in terms of the impact on the businesses, many are transitioning uh, to the digital world. Even I'll take my association. So we have done over 60 webinars for franchise and franchisees across the country to help them learn from each other about how to transition, how to develop better web portals, how to do digital lead generation, um, how to take advantage of government programs that are out there. So we're trying to do our best to educate all of our members and help give them the tools so that they can apply those tools to their local businesses. I can't be an expert in all 50 different sectors and every different, because every business is unique. And so we just want to give everybody the tools to be able to grow um, and recover from the pandemic. And I congratulate you for that, but let's, uh, let's stay on the pandemic for a second. I got to imagine that you've got some statistics in regards to either the drop in sales or the drop in employment or the drop in the number of franchises launched and opened or the, or some, or franchise fees received any statistics on how it's actually impacted your industry. So this is, it's a live question that keeps changing on a daily basis. So business is down in a different sector. So some sectors um, have actually seen their relatively stable. Some may have seen slight increases in the amount of business um, just because of the nature of what they provide. Um, some have seen a flat because they're just really not affected by the way the pandemic works. The ones that are down, uh, the restaurant sectors are down for obvious reasons because of the closures. So those are ones um, that we're trying to help out. Um, you know, there's a number of stats out there about the number of restaurants that could close over the next little while. Um, the one thing that franchise systems do bring to the table, because it's a recognized brand and a recognized, and they have existing supply chains, they're able to deal with the bumps in the road a little bit easier than an independent. Um, that's just a standalone where it's one person making the, all the decisions because they're part of a team. And as Which I has got to be your example of, of, of dealing with the online and digitization is that, is that the franchisors and, and your franchise association probably can help people get up and going online a little bit easier and quicker than they would if they were just an independent. Yeah, the franchisors have been working with all of their franchisees in some cases to create apps, to try and negotiate deals. Uh, with some of the delivery companies and to try and work together so that they can 
they can take kind of benefit from the large size of their organization and the brand recognition um, to help everybody on the ground and help those franchisees who are all struggling. Um, you know, some people, it's just, it's been really tough and you do see those closures, unfortunately, all over, all over Canada. Um, I live in downtown Toronto. I've been to downtown Mississauga and different parts and it's, it's sad to see, but um, the one thing that franchising is actually good for is economic recovery. So this is a really unique thing um, that franchising actually is usually one of the first signs of coming out of an economic downturn. So if we look back to the recession that we had in 08, 09, 10, um, franchising actually was able to grow at about six and a half percent coming out of that recession. And it was one of the first indicators of, of the economy starting to return. Uh, That's in New interesting. Zeal How come? Uh, so it's partly the brand recognition because yep. you've got an existing supply chain. Um, and it's because you're in, as I said at the beginning, you're not in business by your, you're in business for yourself, not by yourself. And so as part of a team, like New Zealand saw growths of about 5.3%. Um, so because of the growth, people start signing, uh, signing lease agreements, signing franchise agreements, um, to help grow their businesses, but it's, you're buying into that existing brand that you know of. Um, and when people sign those leases, you know, you're walking down the street, um, in Mississauga, you're going to see that coming soon sign of that new business is about to open. They're renovating. So there's, that's driving economic growth. And that's going to make you feel it's like, oh, we're, we're in that recovery phase. We're, we're not in the oh no stage. We're now in that growth and recovery phase because a new business is about to open. Um, and that's where you see a lot of that economic growth. You know, my president calls it, uh, calls it the wow factor. And that's when you get a person who comes in off the street, like who may have lost their job in the last couple of months. You know, they come in, they come to one of the CFA's virtual franchise shows, you know, they meet a franchisor, they get a, connected with a franchise lawyer, um, they get a banker, they get financing, you know, they and the, fr the franchisor and the franchisee go find that space. That and they can has. launch their business more quickly. Yeah, they can launch their business more quickly. And then it's like on day one, it's that wow factor of, you know, you take this person who may have, you know, I'll just say lost their job on March 1st. And, you know, six, eight, 12 months from now, they just opened their brand new store right in Mississauga. Right. And so it's that type of thing. And then you see that as a customer walking down the street or driving down past and like, great, that business is restarting. Those storefronts are starting to fill up again. And so that's where you see a lot of that economic recovery. Um, and it's just because you're buying into an existing system. And in a way they're, they're tested, you know, Franchise systems that made it, make it through the recessions, they've been tested. They've figured out the bumps in the road um, and how to deal with all of those bumps in the road. So that's where it's great. Um, it's a great way to get into it, but you have to know what you're getting into. And that's why we say come to our virtual franchise shows, come because we do a lot of education. Is there a website that uh, that you can identify us uh, to, uh, to, to check out your virtual franchise shows? Yes, absolutely. So if, if people want to go to www.cfa.ca, um, there's a ton of resources there that they can come to the virtual franchise shows. They can learn about um, what you need to know going into franchising. 
So it'll give you the tools to ask the right questions of a franchisor as you're exploring your options. Um, and then it'll help you connect with people who will get you the right lawyer. And I always say, remind people, like when you're talking to a lawyer, everybody's like, oh, I'll just use my business lawyer. It's like, get a franchise specific lawyer. It's just a little different. And so get somebody with that kind of expertise. The banks have a lot of franchise finance people. They have franchise finance groups. So work with the banks, connect with their franchise finance teams, because that will help you um, find your way through the, the maze that is kind of getting financing out of a bank because um, they're used to dealing with franchise system. They know yep. what they are. They've got the track record. So work with those people, work with Great. franchise consultants. So there's all of those resources available. Great recommendations, David. So probably an unfair question, but what's the hot new franchise? The hot new franchise. Geez, that's a toughie because there's, it's such a diverse sector. Um, the most recent one obviously is in the cannabis sector uh, just because that's now legal in, in Canada. Uh, so we're seeing new companies come in with that. Uh, but it's also, you know, that senior care, um, you know, people are seeing what's going on. They're looking for other options. Uh, you know, it's those essential businesses that are still open, um, but even getting into the food space. So it's, it's hard for me to say there's one hot brand. It's like there are different sectors uh, that are affected by the pandemic differently and have better and have different growth potential. So it's kind of like saying who's the best, you know, who's going to win. The I know it was an unfair question, but I thought I would ask just in case yeah. there was an opportunity. David Black, head of government relations and uh, membership at the Canadian Franchise Association. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Brian. I had a great time. That's our show for tonight. I come to you every Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock on 960M, or you can stream me online at saga960m.ca, or all my podcasts and videocasts are available after the fact on briancrombie.com, on YouTube, on uh, Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Thanks for joining us, David. Appreciate it. Good night, everybody. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.